a new age begins. The Super Marvel Bros watched Avengers Age of Ultron, the second out of the big Avengers movies in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Did we like it, or is it perhaps one of the most disappointing movies in the MCU? Well, let's find out. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the Super Marvel Bros podcast, the podcast where me, Sam Flowers, and my brother, Zach Flowers, go through all of the MCU movies and eventually the TV shows, all of the content that's there. We're going to dive deep into it. We're going to give you our thoughts, our opinions, our notes. And, you know, as I just said, joining me as always is my co-host, Zach Flowers. Zach, how are you doing? Uh, I'm conflicted because this movie, like, it's so important, but... Not going to lie, it took me three times to get through it because I kept falling asleep. So <laughs> maybe really? it was just because I was, I don't know, I maybe I was just super tired this week. But every time I started it, I would get into it and I would like wake up and it would be the ending credits. And I'd be like, crap, <laughs> now I got to go back. Crap. Uh, yeah, I knew like pretty much as I had told you behind the scenes of our podcast, I told you we have to, I have to watch this tonight and we have to record today in order for all this to work. And otherwise we're going to be thrown off our schedule. So I had no choice, but to watch it in one full sitting. Like as soon as I got home from Florida, that was like the first thing I did. I was like, let me just get through age of Ultron because I have a bunch of other stuff I got to do. So yeah, kind of, uh, Kind of a rough one right here. Um, to quote, uh, what's his name? Will Ferrell in the Doctor sketch. That was rough. I would definitely say uh, Age of Ultron is like a great name because you do feel like you age like a really long time from watching this movie. <laughs> I mean, as it is, I, was there actually an age? It was like, what, three days that Ultron was even alive? <laughs> like, it's yeah, not, I wouldn't but, call it an age. <laughs> But they comp- they comprised that three days into two hours, and it made it seem like it was like <laughs> ten years. I guess that's <laughs> how it felt. Um, so I want to also before we jump right into the movie, I want to give you some of the behind the scenes pre production stuff that I found that was pretty interesting. So essentially, I'll just bu- go through my bullet points. Joss Whedon was torn between what he wanted to do and what the studio wanted to do. Joss wanted a smaller, more intimate story about the characters, while the studio essentially wanted just to set everything up for phase three. And as we know, the studio, without a doubt, won that battle. Uh, (laughs) Joss Whedon also penned one of the scripts that he had ready, included Captain Marvel and Spider-Man in the movie. However, Marvel knew that Captain Marvel was going to come in the future later on down the road. So they're like, just don't worry about her. We're going to bring her in eventually. Like, we'll keep her. But we can't do anything with Spider-Man because obviously they did not strike a deal with Sony just yet. 
There was so, also- Josh we- so Josh Whedon would have called Captain Marvel for this one. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, it didn't go into detail on like what her role would have been other than at the very end, once it's like the new Avengers or whatever, instead of Scarlet Witch being there, it would have been Captain Marvel. So like, that's really the one piece of information, but I bet you she would have been more involved in the movie too. So anyways- There was also a cut of the movie that was over 200 minutes long, but Joss Whedon knew it would be ridiculous to release a movie at that length. (laughs) Which, (laughs) clearly, (laughs) especially after when we're recording this, the Snyder Cut had just came out recently. So uh, we definitely see the differences between a Joss Whedon two-hour movie and then a four-hour epic uh, with the same movie. So Yeah, without a doubt. Um, The studio also... I wouldn't, it was never clear that they essentially forced him to change up his shooting style, but he claims like, oh yeah, for this one, I was told a bunch of times, like, we got to make this a little bit faster. So I knew I had to change up my shooting style. And essentially during the first Avengers movie, he he crafted and made sure every single shot was the exact way he wanted to do it. Meanwhile, for this one, he said he felt like he was shooting a documentary and he didn't always like the way it was going. And According to him, he's also even said that working on this movie essentially broke him and he just needed a break from everything after this. So this movie, in terms of like the conflict behind the scenes that was going on, you can definitely tell that this was something that the studio just needed to happen. They knew like bigger things are to come, but we need to get another Avengers movie out there and we got to set everything up because this dives into the Infinity Stones. This essentially gets ready for the Captain America and Iron Man rivalry. Like they're really pushing that a little bit more out there. This has Hulk disappearing. So like there is a lot of stuff, as you even said earlier, that's integral to the overall story of this. However, watching the movie itself just isn't a lot of fun. It's just not that good of a movie. And it's just kind of whatever at the end of the day. Yeah, it was almost like this this movie because it is setting up so much stuff. It's I, I it's less of a movie and more like homework. Like it's yeah. like you need to see this, so just sit through it and take it cuz I think everything that, that's going to follow up after this movie is pretty much based off of this movie. Like everything before, like all the Battle of New York stuff, like that was all big in the in this phase too, but after this like yeah, they still kind of talk about a little bit, but it's like, okay, the Sokovia stuff, that is really the uh, like catalyst for phase three and beyond. And I mean, I think this movie just also goes to the prime criticism that many people get towards the Marvel Universe. Like I've even said this criticism where every movie is just a setup for the next movie. And I think Age of Ultron is like the prime example when people like want to use that criticism to it, that all it is is just like nothing really happens. It's just going to keep going and going like a TV show instead of just being one conclusive thing. So... I mean, that's another reason why, yeah, this just doesn't work is because it is just one big setup. It is homework. Like, you need to watch it in order to understand what's going to happen. But at the same time, you don't want to watch it because it's not really that good of a movie. So, And also, like, knowing that it sets everything up, I, I, and and what the end result was, was actually, like, (laughs) you know, important. But I didn't really like the way that they went about doing it. Like, I hated... I don't know the, the way every character acted and like their, I guess, 
character voice in this in this movie seemed so much different from every other movie to me at least it came off to me i don't know why um everybody and i know it's just joss whedon sort of like adding quips and stuff but yeah everybody was so over the top quippy and it was like it it, I, i don't know how to explain it it just didn't seem like I was, it didn't seem like the characters were the same people that I'd watched in the previous movies. Like Black Widow and uh, Hulk romance, like the way they just like talked to each other, it just didn't seem like how people talk to each other. I don't know. It didn't do it for me. Long story short. (laughs) I completely agree. Like, I mean, let's just, okay, let's just agree on this. Let's just jump into this movie and we're going to jump around from point to point. So this isn't going to be sequential like normally. So let's just go right into the Black Widow and Hulk storyline, which I think this honestly might be one of the reasons why I'm not too big of a fan of Black Widow is because all we've seen her throughout this time is she is kind of just like a spy and she does a lot of kicking and uses her guns. But that's why I'm saying that's why I liked Winter Soldier because she was actually like badass and like yeah. an actual like real character. And in this one, she was just like, I don't, she was just there to be the woman. It she was, was almost, it, she wasn't, she wasn't an actual character in Avengers. She was there just as like, I don't know. She, she was just there to be pretty. It she was like in this movie. She was essentially just like a damsel in distress in this movie. Yeah. And all we find out about her is that, you know, she can't have kids because of her training. Like that's essentially the only bit of information we get about her. But she right. all of a sudden but, is- but to, to say how much this is an important movie, the Black Widow movie that's going to come out in the uh, summer, like they, I guess, previewed it in the her flashback or flash forward or whatever yeah. the, when Scarlet Witch messed with her mind and stuff. So that's what we're saying. Like this movie so much stuff is coming from it even in phase four now that (laughs) yeah exactly and even like once we eventually get to wandavision like they even go more into her origins into that than they kind of do with this like they sort of give you essentially the origins for both scarlet witch and quicksilver in this is what that episode eight of wandavision but (laughs) just in one sentence of like we were watching tv and then tony stark's bomb came in so (laughs) that's what it was so yeah, that's essentially like they sort of dive into that too. Um, but yeah, the whole Black Widow and Hulk romance, I mean, I don't know what it is. They said like three times, they're like, oh, you two have some real chemistry. And it's like, do they have real chemistry? Like, what are these characters in the movie scene? I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, they the way they talk to each other, like they're like, I don't know if they're just trying to be cutesy, but the dialogue was written like they were in a movie from like the 40s or something where they're like talking with each other anytime. And it's just like, people, you guys are the Avengers. You're not supposed to be cool. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was very lame. Like even with, like you're saying, but that's the thing with some movies, the dialogue could be really terrible. But if you have two leads that actually have good on-screen chemistry with each other, then it can still kind of work itself out. But Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo was just like dead. Like it seemed like neither one of them really did want to be with the other one. Like I just did not buy their relationship at all whatsoever with that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, it was, it was just not <laughs> every time I was like cringing every time I was watching like their chemistry on, on the screen. And it just, it just was, 
not enjoyable. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to another big problem I have with the movie Ultron as a villain, which. I mean, if we really want to go into everybody's too quippy and too jokey, Ultron, again, the absolute prime example of somebody who is way too jokey. And like every single time they tried to make him funny, I was just like, oh, God, like I'm tired of this guy already. You know, you got James Spader, a.k.a. Stanky Hanky from Seinfeld using the performance. And he really almost should have been closer to a Terminator rather than. Uh, I like an Iron Man or not an Iron Man, a Tony Stark esque Jarvis evil robot. Like the way they kind of made Ultron work in this didn't work for me at all. And I have no idea if he's like comic accurate or anything in this, but I'd imagine the comics, he's again just a robot who just wants to kill everyone essentially and destroy the planet, which he does kind of want to do in this. But again, he's just not menacing. He's not intimidating whatsoever because he's constantly like joking around and just did not work for me. I don't know. This is where I'm going to disagree. I liked James Spader's uh, like performance, even though he was just pretty much voice acting and everything was like, you know, green screened and CGI. It wasn't like his body, which yeah, if James, if James Spader was in his age was like your villain and like throwing stuff around, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But yeah, I think his, the attitude sort of, he brought to it um, to the character I thought was good in the sense that, this is a character that was literally like born like recently. <laughs> like he's not like, like he's just learning and everything he knows is from Tony Stark and Jarvis. Like he is a combination of those. And that's why he is like quippy and stuff. Cause his daddy basically is Tony Stark. Yeah. But I mean, again, if I'd like, even though, but yeah, I, I think for him being a villain, yeah, there's probably a little too much, but like, it makes sense in that world where it, that's how Tony is. It's it's almost like because Loki as a villain, like he is kind of fun. He's the god of mischief. Of course, he's going to joke around. It makes sense for him. So it almost seems like with Ultron, they're like, well, let's add some jokes into there. Maybe he can be kind of like Loki. And he just felt kind of like a worse version of him almost. So, well, And the whole, I guess, um, another, I think the whole problem with just like the Ultron and it's not because yeah, I know he's from the comics and stuff and like he's been around. So it's not like they just created him, but using in succession and pretty much Tony Stark trying to do the iron Legion and Iron Man three, where he's trying to stop. It's like, he, he wants to have a suit of armor around the world where he's trying to prevent things from happening before they even happen or like stop, the, you know, like prevent wars and prevent things. And then Captain America, winter soldier, where the whole bad like shields and slash hydra's like bad guy plan is stopping things before they happen and it's like all right so then let's do this again let's stop things before they happen it's like you think you want like it's the same like sort of big been there done that type of situation yeah like like, don't you know this isn't gonna work (laughs) yeah um and i mean it's even kind of crazy when he's just like oh yeah once they're making vision, he's like, yeah, once we try to do with Ultron, like clearly that didn't work out. But if we do this with essentially Jarvis, maybe it'll work itself out better. And it's just like, why would he try to even make this again? Like he's not even learning from his own mistake that he had earlier in the movie. Yeah. For like a genius, he like just seems kind of stupid where he's just trying to, you know, create an artificial intelligence and every single, even uh, Bruce Banner brings up, he's like, yeah, every time there's an artificial intelligence, like the 
if it stops everything from happening, then the only thing killing humanity is humanity. And it's like so obvious because it's just like such a common sort of trope that they just are like, yeah, we'll still fuck, like we're doing it anyway. <laughs> um, so let's get into the dream nightmare sequences that are either flashbacks or flash forwards because I feel like this is one of the biggest setups. This is almost like how I think it was in Batman versus Superman. Uh, Bruce Wayne has his nightmare sequences that's essentially trying to set up for the future. I think that's what these were essentially trying to be too. And with Tony Stark, we see that he's looking at all the alien ships and they're coming back for uh, Earth and the Avengers are all essentially dead. That one payoff because we know how the future goes. I think that one does kind of pay itself off and conclude relatively right. Granted, not all six or seven of the Avengers that were in this movie are dead in that uh, future movie. Like once we get to infinity war and it's not necessarily the death that how that happens, but you know, it's still like a warning of everybody's going to die if you don't try to stop this. And you know what? I think that one does kind of pay off from my memory of that. Thor's well, night. I, or- I was going to say, I don't think they're premonitions. They're like whatever each person's like biggest fear of. And then uh, Scarlet, Witch plays on that and makes it, become a reality because i wouldn't necessarily say like that she's able to predict the future she's just messing with their reality and what they're seeing and like sort of pulling in because she can read their minds and sort of find out what they're most like afraid of or what they're like what would really get in their head and mess with them that's why i like uh um black widow's thing goes back to the past and stuff like where she like came up and then uh iron man's is like uh seeing everybody's dead because he feels like he can't do anything to stop an inevitable like comeback of the aliens and stuff and then uh captain america's was what he was just like uh, he was just having a dance with peggy and then the room is completely empty or something yeah so like he missed his chance on that like that's his biggest regret I mean, I guess I mean, that, Hey, that wasn't clear to 50% of the audience. Then if that's what they were going for, um, <laughs> cause I mean, I was sort of, th- maybe I was also thinking of like more behind the scenes setup type stuff too. So I was trying to think of like from the higher ups executives perspective of like, yeah, this will be good for the fans to really speculate of like, this is how the future is going to go. Cause even essentially once we get to Thor's nightmare, they're like, uh, it's kind of like the whole entire place of Asgard is about to get destroyed. And they're like, they see you leading us into hell, which I mean, is essentially kind of what happens with Ragnarok. Like they do end up destroying all of Asgard. So I thought that was sort of like a little bit of a push of like, Oh, get ready for the future there. But maybe, yeah, but the way they go about it, like that's like one of his biggest fear is like, he's not, is he going to be able to be a good leader of Asgard and stuff and like, make sure that they like, like live on and succeed and stuff. So it wasn't, I don't think necessarily they were futures. I think they were just the potential realities based off of like what their biggest fears or regrets were. Yeah, perhaps again, maybe and I did like, I did like it wasn't Hawkeye clear. though. <laughs> I did like Hawkeye just like stamping her with the uh, electro shock. I did the whole mind control thing. Head. Not a yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah. Hawkeye's the best character in this whole movie. Like he's the only I think one. that's why probably why this one <laughs> isn't that great because Hawkeye, no offense, but he's like, 
when he calls it out, he's like, I'm a guy, <laughs> like, there's, we're getting attacked by, like, androids. I'm a guy, I, all I have is a bow and arrow. Like, none of this makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Hawkeye's the only sensible one. He's the only one that, like, you're kind of rooting for in this. Yeah, before all this, it is like, yeah, he is a guy with a bow and arrow, and they give him, like, the family aspects. And we even find out he's married to Linda Cardellini, a.k.a. Will Ferrell's wife from Daddy's Home. So she's in this movie as his wife. <laughs> I almost AKA went with Velma. Zach, I have a list of like five that I was like, which one am I going to go to? I was, I was thinking, should I go Velma from James Gunn's Scooby-Doo? Because he wrote that movie. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe I should do that. But I was like, no, Daddy's Home is even dumber. So why not go with that? but yeah so in in this we get his family and like living on a farm and he's just like yeah i didn't want shield to know about this because you know they're a bunch of crazy people so of course i'm gonna keep this off the books so good on him for thinking that out and it really almost seems like this is sort of like a hawkeye send-off and he's essentially retiring into the sunset which we know that's not necessarily true, but at the same time, this seems like this is him sort of sending off because it's like, yeah, maybe you should stay with the family. You know, look at all these guys. We know you're kind of the heart of them is sort of what they were trying to say. But at the same time, like, this is crazy that you're with all these superheroes and you are just a guy. So just try to be with your family. I think that was like the point was like, he's the one that needs to keep them grounded because when, because they are just a bunch of alpha, like, divas and he needs somebody there like he needs to be the point guard sort of to keep make sure everybody stays happy and gets the ball when they need to um i wrote down when i think it was black widow trying to get into the shower with hulk or hulk, or bruce banner was like coming out of the shower and it was super awkward i wrote down what is this movie about which even though i just watched it yesterday I, I'm not entirely sure what the movie's about other than Ultron wants to destroy the world and the Avengers have to stop him. Like, it's as basic as that. This is a very basic movie with a lot of un other, like, crap going on in the background that you have to get ready for for the future. And I know we've been harking on that a lot, but, like, yeah, that's just this movie entirely. It's just, like, a lot of crap, a lot of, a lot of garbage. Even the action sequences, I think, other than the very beginning and even, like, the Hulkbuster versus Hulk fight, like... I don't know. I couldn't really get into like anything else that was kind of going on from the action sequences wise. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know this. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> you just got nothing, <laughs> nothing left in the tank. Not on this one. I was just thinking of the, um, the whole scene when uh ultron comes in because they're doing the whole hammer oh yeah stuff before yeah, that's a good that's scene I, yeah i i like that that's scene a good also. scene i was just thinking of like the stupidness of uh like i'm just thinking more on the romance aspect between black widow and hulk where like he, he falls right into her boobs like on for like did they need that in the movie <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird and then i think i think they reuse that joke in joss whedon's odd justice league too <laughs> so yeah, joss whedon probably tried to make people he probably tried to try that out on people <laughs> make sure it worked i liked in the party scene when roadie is trying to tell his story and he tells it to iron man and thor and they're just like oh yeah that's an okay story and then he just tells it to a bunch of normal humans like regular people and they're like oh my god that's so cool what you just did <laughs> like, oh yeah that's what i was getting because at least in this one i think 
the only thing that I didn't, it's not like like or dislike, but I noticed in this one, they probably had a lot of backlash of why didn't War Machine show up in Avengers 1 if obviously he's like a, a sort of a superhero and stuff. So they at least had him and uh, Falcon show up in this one, even though it was just like a cameo. So I thought that was good. Um, also with the party scene, let's just remember this with my is Captain America a virgin storyline that I'm trying to figure out. He has the line as the world's leading authority of waiting too long. Don't virgin. Boom. I don't know how much more proof you need after all these. What? This is his fourth movie. I don't know how much more you need if you're still on the side that he has had sex in these movies. He's got those virgin <laughs> superpowers that keeps him as the super soldier. So just wanted to go to that really quickly. Another thing um, that I want to ask you, what did you think of Vision's introduction into the movie? Because as we know, he's going to be a huge major player in these other ones, but this is our first introduction to him. To Vision? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Um... It, it was it was cool. I like how he like when uh, they stole when Ultron stole all the vibranium to make them. Like we get a preview of one of the guys in Black Panther. But I like um, I don't know Vision. I think this one was it. It just it was just was like all right, yeah, a robot building a robot. Sort yeah. of. It wasn't anything like too crazy. It was then they put the Mind Stone in them, and I don't know. Like like I said, this movie just sort of it was just sort of they. It, it was almost it was like it's just like they're just telling you things like hey you need to know this you need to know this and it wasn't entertaining i don't know it's like i'm trying to i'm <laughs> finding it hard to find words to describe it because my description i can't really describe something that was just so bleh. <laughs> so um well yeah i mean i think vision within this movie like yeah he's just it's fine like this whole movie is just like I wouldn't, I don't even know if I could go as far as saying it's fine because <laughs> I'm really the whole second half. I was like pretty bored by the time Nick Fury came in and we found out all that stuff. I think it's cool that vision is like, that's why I kept falling asleep. Cause I, like, <laughs> I think it's cool that vision is played by uh, Paul Bettany, who of course also plays Jarvis. So he's allowed to still keep on doing his stuff. Uh, yeah, he's the longest tenured uh, MCU person now because he's been in thing. He was in the first Iron Man, and now he's been in uh, WandaVision, so he's been in it the longest. With uh, another point I want to make is, as we always do, our Stan Lee cameo, where in this he is a drunk World War II veteran. <laughs> so, A what? I said a drunk World War II vet. Yes, not a veterinarian. <laughs> no, never again. He's a drunk World War II vet who thinks he can handle uh, Thor's drinks, and of course he can, and he goes out with the Excelsior as he's walking out. So yeah, we get that phrase. Yeah, we get that fun cameo in there. Um, and of course, the post credit scene of Thanos coming in and being like, fine. I'll do it myself as he gets the gauntlet in his hand. Yeah. And then phase he, three is all about that. Right. And the, even that sort of, uh, that it was like, sort of like, a, all right, here, we know this is coming, like, but it wasn't as entertaining, even that like post credit scene. So everything in this movie was, it, it was important. It was like, like I said, it was like homework. It was like school. <laughs> it was like, there needs need to be to know a, this stuff. <laughs> Cliff, there needs to be a Cliff Notes version of uh, what's going on because <laughs> then you can just get the bullet points and be ready for that. So 
that's why we're trying to do this to save yeah. people some time but we're what <laughs> 30 minutes in <laughs> yeah i know we're we're just about done with this though uh quicksilver he's in he's out he dies not that good yeah of a he has a, he's in and out but yeah. his obviously his death is a big part of shaping wanda yeah. so goes into her psyche but yeah i mean pretty much new people we get vision and wanda that are going to stick around um we also in this movie had uh all your normal avengers plus war machine and a uh, falcon made an appearance at the party yeah. uh nick fury was around so they got they had the whole the whole gang the whole <laughs> shebang of everything you know they yeah. do what they can do so they had the guy that played young austin powers in the, <laughs> the helicarrier <laughs> <laughs> that's right why doesn't he have more roles in these movies he should be like the new stanley and just like slowly put him into everything and just see if the audience will notice because i mean he is kind of just some guy exactly they won't but why not you know yeah vision gets created uh it sets up all the sokovia stuff that's gonna we're gonna hear about in civil war with are the avengers more of the problem than they are the solution yeah and everything even though from watching the movie they were definitely trying to like save people <laughs> it's like like they could have been a lot worse with uh you know all of humanity being erased my my note right after the post credit scene note is uh done because that's how i felt yeah. <laughs> like i had you know just got to get through that um obviously captain marvel should have been called in because i mean hey joss whedon wanted to call her in and clearly she could have helped them out a lot i mean you know they got the job done but captain marvel could have helped him out a lot so way to go nick you're really uh screwing the pooch a lot on these <laughs> so great job uh so what was the budget on this all right so the budget on this movie was about half a billion dollars and the box office was let me guess let me let me guess at the box office so the budget was half a billion it's an avengers movie i'm gonna say it's over a billion but under iron man 3 which i think was like 1.2 so i'm gonna say that 1.1 it is 1.4 iron man iron man 3 was 1.2 and the first avengers movie 1.5 so you know it it almost made successful yeah i mean we can't say any of these movies are not successful at this point so it's going to get just even bigger and crazier from here on out. Still a pretty good doctor. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. There's Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, I would not watch it on TV if it was on because it's going to be too long and too boring. Yeah, I think there's a reason why I haven't seen this movie since it came out in theaters. So there's that. Uh, yeah. And you don't need to because everything gets just referenced back to it. All the, it, it is like... Anytime there was something important, they're going to just talk about it in a better movie in the future. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if you really do need to see this. Like, you really could just look up what happens in Age of Ultron and you'll kind of get the gist of it because they will, re- they reference this in uh, Civil War. And uh, I was going to say, you can watch Civil War and anything you missed, they'll just reference from this one. I mean, you'll hear me say it, and I don't think it's an unpopular opinion, but Civil War should have just been Avengers 2, because, I mean, it really is, <laughs> like, the next one. But it, 
Yeah, it's a way better movie. We got in between in between that though, we got Ant-Man. So uh, we got Ant-Man nice... starring Paul Rudd of all people. That's we get a nice palate. We get a we get a nice palate cleanser between the boring information of Ultron and the action information of Civil War. Ant-Man, I it's definitely not like one of my favorites, but I do think it's perhaps the most underrated of the Marvel movies because yeah, I feel I'm like excited. I feel like Ant-Man always gets forgotten about and kind of pushed to the side because it was so small scale and like kind of whatever. But it is a fun movie because I mean, like you got some good comedic talent in there that like gives you some laughs. You got Paul Rudd in there. Peyton Reed is the director and he directed, I think, Anchorman, I want to say. So like you got some good laughs in there that keep it pretty entertaining from what I remember. So yeah, can't wait for well, I'm that. I'm sure we'll find, I'm sure we'll find some flaws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there's a reason why it's uh, to me underrated because it's definitely not great. But it's very entertaining, I think. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Just listen to me. We'll get to that next week. (laughs) Good night, everybody. If you would like more of the Super Marvel Bros podcast, please do not forget to hit subscribe right there on Spotify and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Super Marvel Bros Pod. Thank you very much for listening.